<laughs> so if I'm going to make good on that commitment, I better start preaching soon because we do have, we do have a word to look at. Uh, if you're concerned about the length of sermon, you've probably already been encouraged by the fact that you noticed on the outline there's only one verse this morning. Um, we are going to rejoin the series of sermons that I've been doing for several months now. We've been over three months. I think this is the 14th. Uh, Sunday that I've preached from the Sermon on the Mount, we've been slowly making our way through the Sermon on the Mount. It's a sermon that Jesus preached that is recorded for us in detail in the Gospel of Matthew. And we can kind of frame the whole thing. You guys know by this point, he's all over the map in terms of his topics. He's here, he's there, he's back, he's forth. But if we're going to put just kind of one title over what is the Sermon on the Mount about, it's about kingdom. Jesus went around proclaiming the kingdom of God. And, and, and just like us, the people back then had to say, well, okay, that's nice. But what precisely do you mean about that? And so he presents to them the Sermon on the Mount. What is the kingdom like? How do we live as citizens of the kingdom of God? And just a quick little reminder of where we've been. We heard Jesus begin with a clarification that the kingdom is good news, right? In those days, if you heard there was a new kingdom in town, that may very well be bad news. But Jesus said, no, 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 this is good news. And it's good news in particular for people who have been going through times of suffering. He gives a series of examples about how the kingdom that he's announcing doesn't abolish God's old law, but it fulfills the ancient law of God. He described how God looks beyond our actions and into the conditions of our heart. The kingdom isn't merely a transformation in what we, what we do, the thou shalts and the thou shalt nots. It's a heart and mind transformation being proclaimed in the kingdom of God. Jesus demonstrated how a proper understanding of the kingdom leads us to value the kingdom above all other things. It's the most important thing. It is more important than any worldly thing we could encounter because it itself is not a worldly thing. It is a heavenly thing. And along the way, Jesus has constructed a portrait of the hypocrite, right? The hypocrite is the word that he tends to use for the the one who is opposed to the kingdom, the one who is doing harm to the kingdom. Uh, We need to not be hypocrites as we are formed into citizens of the kingdom of God. And the very last bit that we heard Jesus say, we got to go back at three Sundays ago because we've had two Sundays off from this series. So we go back three Sundays ago, the very last thing we heard Jesus say addressed uh, that that very human uh, hypocritical tendency to judge one another. Do you recall that passage? It began with a simple command, do not judge. But Jesus goes on in that passage to describe how we, we actually should, in fact, be looking out for one another in the kingdom of God. He had that metaphor about taking, taking the, the speck of wood, that, that annoying little piece of sawdust out of your brother's eye. He had to uh, explain to us, we, we should be looking out for one another. Don't judge, but do in fact look out for one another in the kingdom. But doing so has to begin by me making an honest evaluation of my own health, my own condition, just how clear are my eyes before I go around pointing out all your faults and all of your foibles. And we come away from that explanation of kind of looking out for one another, taking care of one another, talking about the reality of sin in our lives. 
we come away from that with the sense that although we need to be careful about how we do it, there are, in fact, moments in kingdom living that we will be having conversations with one another about what is right and about what is wrong. And it's with those words of Jesus still kind of hanging in the air that we get one of the most unusual statements in the Sermon on the Mount. I want you to to pray for me today as I preach this message. I want you to pray for yourselves today as you receive this message because I'm going to tell you this is a tough one. This is a tough one. It's, a t- it's not very straightforward. It's tough to hear. Uh, the words are simple. The metaphor is pretty clear. But it's tough to hear the heart of God in this one. So let's pray for each other as we proceed into uh, some interesting waters here. But it's in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. And I'm going to ask you to do what we've been doing along the way. The, the verse won't be on the screen. You're just going to hear it as Jesus' audience heard it that morning. I'm going to plagiarize Jesus here. Very short passage. He says this. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. That's so short, I'm going to say it twice. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. If you do, they may trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Our next door neighbors have uh, a lab. He's a beautiful chocolate brown lab named Duke. And Duke is the most chill dog you have ever in your life seen. We in the Martinson family do not have pets. I have a strong policy about not, you know, cleaning up after something that I didn't father. Um, but, but we do like animals. We do like them. We just like other people's animals. Um, Duke is an absolutely brilliant dog. We love Duke. Duke is amazing. Duke could not be more relaxed. Duke will let you pet him. Duke will let you play with him. He loves to do just about anything you want to do, but he causes no trouble at all. He's the ideal pet. I know many of you are saying, no, my dog is the ideal pet, and perhaps you're right, but from my perspective, Duke is about as good as it gets. Tyler likes Duke a lot, and several years ago when these neighbors first moved in and we were just getting to know uh, the neighbors and Duke, uh, Tyler, uh, they, Tyler heard that Duke likes to play catch, and Tyler got a tennis ball out and decided he was going to play catch with Duke, and so he took his tennis ball and he threw it across the yard, and Duke just went after the tennis ball and grabbed it, and you know how dogs sometimes will take the tennis ball but then not give it back? And as a non-dog owner, that's very frustrating. Like, I'm trying to play with you. Don't make this complicated here. Uh, Duke didn't do that. Duke got the tennis ball and brought it right back and put it down. So that was fun. Let's do it again, Tyler. And so Tyler played with Duke, and he threw the ball a couple of times, but then he brought it back. And uh, Tyler had that discovery um, that, you know, dogs don't have opposable thumbs. And so when they bring tennis balls back, they bring them back, and, and suddenly the tennis ball is not really, you know, the kind of thing you... you you wanted to be picking up, you know, it was slobbery. And, um, but that didn't, that didn't uh, pose a huge problem for Tyler, he just kept playing. Suffice to say, about a half hour later when they were done playing together, Tyler's tennis ball was not suitable for tennis anymore. It was not suitable for Tyler anymore. Duke took that tennis ball home and, and that was good. We let Duke have the tennis ball. That's what happens when dogs play with things. You know, fortunately for us, tennis balls 
are not sacred. And most of us in this room, pet owners or not, would have a higher view of dogs than the people who were listening to Jesus' sermon that day. When Jesus said dogs, they were all like, boo, boo. You know, most of us have a high, not all of us, but most of us have a higher view of dogs that day. But even we who have a high view of dogs, even we who love dogs, even we don't give dogs things that are sacred, right? We don't give dogs the most important, most valuable treasures that we have. We only give dogs things that are fit to be chewed and ruined because that's what dogs do. They chew and they ruin, amen? Now, that's dogs. I'm going to move on to pigs here. And, and let me just say, I don't, I don't have nearly as much experience with pigs. And I've never given any serious thought to presenting a pig with, with fine jewelry. It's never really occurred to me. I don't know if that's just me, but I, I find Jesus's metaphor here a little interesting because it never, never really thought that that would be a good idea. Um, I did, however, one time, many years ago, buy a string of pearls for Sue. It was her birthday. We were, we were dating and, and I had heard her say that she had never had a string of pearls and, and she would love to have one as, as part of her jewelry collection. And, and so for her birthday that year, I bought her a string of pearls. We were gonna spend the day together and I had planned a, a canoe trip. We went out to one of those places where they put you in a canoe and, and let you go and you just kind of canoe down the river all day long until you get to the ending spot. And assuming you survive, uh, you're, you know, you're good to go. So we were gonna do that and I told her and then afterwards we'll go out and we'll have a nice dinner. And my plan was to give her the pearls at dinner that night. So we got to the canoeing place um, and I hadn't really thought this through, but I can remember that day uh, thinking, you know, I, I had the present wrapped, but I didn't want to leave it in my car. I'm always, you know, kind of one of those guys who's like, ah, don't leave it in the car. It's, you know, my dad taught me that, you know, they leave it out of sight. You don't want, you know, a present or something. And I certainly didn't want to lose the pearls. So in my mind, I was thinking, well, I'll just put it throw it in my backpack or whatever. And at the last minute, it dawned on me, that would be a spectacularly bad idea. Because, um, I mean, what if the canoe goes over? I wasn't really very worried about Sue. She could swim. But those pearls, I didn't want to lose the pearls, right? Like that, that would have been, that would have been bad to lose the pearls in that muddy river water. And so in the end, I decided I'll just keep the, the pearls in the car and they of course were fine. And at dinner that night, I gave her her string of pearls. But the point was I had to make an important decision about how best to care for the pearls. I think it's, it's only understandable. We take care of valuable things, don't we? We take care of valuable things. We don't jeopardize their safety by putting them in a position to be ruined or putting them in a position to be destroyed. Uh, that's kind of what Jesus is saying here, but what's with the dogs and the pigs and why are we giving pigs jewelry? What is Jesus actually saying here? That's what I really wanna dive into. And, and I think the place to begin is in the first half of that statement. We'll show this to you on the screen. He said, do not give dogs what is sacred, do not throw your pearls to pigs. Two different statements, but uh, very typical of, of biblical teaching. It's just two statements that are essentially saying the same things. Do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. And I think the metaphor is pretty obvious. It's a warning against sharing something of great value with someone who might not value it as much. 
Don't share something of great value with someone who's not going to value it nearly as much as, as you do. It's really a matter of wise decision-making, isn't it? Wise, if you have something of value, make wise decisions about how you're taking care of it and who you're sharing it with. I wonder how many of us in this room have childhood memories of, of being offended uh, at, at, at family meals, at, at formal dinners, or at the holiday meal when, when all the adults were eating off of grandma's china, but you had a plastic plate. Anybody have that experience? Uh, everybody has the fancy crystal glasses and you're drinking out of a Mickey Mouse cup. Anybody remember that and remember being like, hey, hey, that's, that's not fair. That's not fair. But uh, then we become parents and we get it. <laughs> you know what? We, we, we get it. And it's kind of like, no offense, kids. You're just not worth, worth the risk. It's just not worth the risk. I'm not going to give you the fine china here. You're going to eat off of the Mickey Mouse plate. When you serve your child's dinner, if you've ever had that experience, uh, if, when you serve your child's dinner on a plastic plate, you're not judging the child, right? They might not like that choice, but you're not trying to tick them off. You're not shaming your kid. You're not berating your kid. You're not trying to point out what a clumsy idiot they are. You're just, you're making a grown-up decision. You're making a wise judgment. And I think that's what Jesus is saying here. I would put it this way. Don't judge, but make good judgments. We understand? That's what we last heard Jesus say. Don't judge. Do not judge. And here he's saying, don't, yeah, don't, don't judge. But make, make wise judgments. Make good judgments. What's the difference, you ask? Well, judging has to do with the way the hypocrite points out everybody else's sin in an effort to divert attention away from their own. That's what the hypocrite does. That's judging. But making good judgment... That means using wisdom in decision-making about how and when to trust other people or how and when to invest in other people, how and when to connect with other people. Wise decisions, good judgments. Here, here's another way of saying it, and this, I admit, is going to come off more provocative than, than anything else, but I want you to consider these words. I believe Jesus is saying here, some kinds of discrimination are appropriate. Some kinds of discrimination are appropriate. Now, obviously, we're not talking about racial discrimination. We're not talking about gender discrimination. We're not talking about social discrimination of any kind, but we're talking about dis discrimination or discernment, if you prefer that word, if you're more comfortable with it, by spiritual maturity. Just like at Christmas dinner, when you get different plates out for different folks, we're talking about discernment, discrimination by spiritual maturity. Some treasures are not to be handled by the immature. There's an old saying, how many of you have heard this? When people tell you who they are, believe them. When people tell you who they are, believe them. It's actually a misquote of a line written by Maya Angelou in a book uh, from, from the 1960s. But the point is this. People tend to act in accordance with their character. They tend to act in accordance with their, with their character. So when, by their actions, they tell you who they are, believe them. 
Too often we choose to trust people we probably shouldn't, thinking, oh, he'd never do that to me. Or she's in a better place now. There's really nothing to worry about. Now, I'm not suggesting that the kingdom of God compels us to be skeptics or or pessimists who don't believe people can change. Let's very quickly, before we go down that very harmful path, let's very quickly remind ourselves what the Bible says about the love, the agape that we're to have for one another. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 7 tells us that love always trusts, doesn't it? Love always hopes. Love always perseveres. That is true, but... Or and, we also have to bear in mind that apart from the transformational power of the Holy Spirit in us, sinners sin, liars lie, cheaters cheat, thieves steal, and bullies bully. It's what they do. Apart from the transformational power of the Holy Spirit, that's what people do. And kingdom people need to know how to make good judgments about dealing with them. And there's a particular kind of judgment that Jesus is asking us to be prepared to make. Uh, I'm going to just reread that line. He said, do not give dogs what is sacred. Do not throw your pearls to pigs. And don't give your dogs what is sacred. A lot of Bible historians presume that what is sacred is probably a reference to the sacred bread in the temple. You wouldn't take the sacred bread from the holy temple and throw it to a pack of junkyard dogs. You wouldn't do that with that. It's not fit for the junkyard dogs. And of course, precious pearls would never be tossed to an animal of any kind, right? But if you want to pick the worst kind of animal, how about the one that's most filthy, the the one that in the eyes of the Jews in particular is most unclean? Oh, you would never throw grandma's pearls to a bunch of pigs in a pig pen. You just wouldn't do it. So we have don't judge, but make good judgments. What are we making good judgments about? Make good judgments between what's sacred and what's filthy. On one hand, we have the sacred things, the pearls, the treasures. And on the other hand, we have what's filthy, the dogs and the pigs. Make good judgments between the two, Jesus says. The pearls are sacred, but the pigs are filthy. Jesus is telling us to understand that sacred treasures, treasures of great value, ought not to be entrusted to those who would prefer to remain mired in filth. So what's the sacred treasure that Jesus is talking about here? Well, I think the clues that we need to answer that question are already in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's just remind ourselves of what Jesus has already said in his sermon about the kingdom, what he has already said about what is sacred and what is valuable, about what is treasure. Earlier on, we heard him say that the kingdom brings rewards of great value in heaven. We heard him say that in the kingdom, the Father has great treasure available to his people, right? We've heard him say that in the kingdom, people are busy storing up, not not earthly treasure where moth and rust destroys, but storing up treasures in heaven. There's this connection between the proclamation of the kingdom itself, the good news. Could we just go old school and say the gospel? There's a connection between the gospel and the sacred treasure 
that Jesus is talking about. The sacred treasure is the gospel, the message of the kingdom, the announcement of God's rule and God's reign. The gospel message is of itself of great value, and we must care for it accordingly. And this is what I referred to at the very beginning of what I shared with you today. This is one of the hardest lessons for us to learn. Because as joy-filled followers of Jesus, and I speak today to joy-filled followers of Jesus, our impulse is to lead with the gospel wherever we go. Our impulse is to never give up. Our impulse is to press in further and further with those that we want to see added to the kingdom. But sadly, the Bible shows us that that's not always the best way of things. Some of the people we encounter simply cannot, do not, and will not know how to treasure the gifts we bring them. Later in his ministry, when Jesus sent his disciples and other followers out to proclaim the gospel in in villages throughout Judea, he gave them a very uh, specific set of instructions. He said, you're going to go place to place and you're going to proclaim the gospel. You're going to proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God. And you're going to go into some towns and you're going to go into some villages. And when you make that proclamation, when you make that announcement, you're going to be welcome and it's going to be received with great joy. But he said, you're going to go into other places where you're not going to be welcome and it's not going to be received with great joy. Do you recall what he told his disciples to do in those circumstances? He said, when you encounter that, move on. Move on. When you encounter that, simply move on. Come on, Jesus. Why would you say that? Is anybody else a little bit uncomfortable with that? I'm going to tell you I am. It's okay. Is anybody else uncomfortable with that? Because I grew up learning that we're supposed to share the gospel with anyone and everyone ever we, wherever we go. And if I share the gospel with Nancy and she tells me to take a hike, well, then I just need to pray a little harder for Nancy. I just need to try again. I just need to go a little further. I just need to keep on, keep on, keep it on and don't lose faith. Because God bless it, Nancy's going to get saved. Right? Like that's, that's our impulse, isn't it? I told you this is going to be a tough message. You need to start praying for me. Some of you are like, yeah, whatever. But now you're like, oh, dear Lord, please bless our pastor because he's starting to scare me. Give me time. Give me time. Give me time. We just have this kind of predisposition as good church folks. We just need to try a little harder. We just need to wait a little longer. We just need to do a little bit more. And yet, Jesus said, no, sometimes when you're rejected, move on. Move on. And here we hear him saying, be careful, be careful, be be careful that you aren't taking this great treasure of yours and dropping it in the junkyard for the dogs to tear apart. Be careful that you aren't taking this great treasure that I've given you and dropping it in the pig pen for the pigs to trample on in their filth. Be careful. If you do, that's what he said. Let's read the second half of this. If you do, if you do these things, they may trample them under their feet and then turn 
and tear you to pieces. Well, that was vivid. You toss some pearls to a bunch of pigs in a pig pen and they snort around and they're trying, they've never seen pearls before. They've never even been to Jared, right? They don't know what's going on. They're trying to snort around, trying to figure out what these things are, but they're little and they're granular. It looks like pig food. It looks like the pellets. It looks like what they might be eating. So maybe they slurp a few up thinking that's what they are. Oh, oh, how nice of Pastor Dan. He came, he came to feed me today. And so they, they slurp a few up, but you can't chew a pearl. You can't swallow a pearl. And so the pigs kind of choke and, and snort on them, and now they're mad. They spit them out. They spit them right into the mud and the filth of the wallow in that pen. And then they're looking for me because <laughs> I'm the one that tried to choke them, right? Now they're looking, oh, there he is. And so they go after Pastor Dan for throwing him those pearls in the first place. They go after him and they're snorting and they're squealing and they're kicking and they're angry that I tried to choke them with my treasure. In other words... If you hand the sacred treasure to a dirty dog or a filthy pig, you risk the treasure getting destroyed and you risk your own destruction as well. And so I want to summarize this way. Don't judge, but make good judgments between what's sacred and what's filthy. Why? Because failure to do so can end in destruction. You got to be careful, Jesus says. You gotta be careful. Failure to make those good judgments can end in destruction. It can, it can destroy the treasure itself. It can, it can harm the gospel. It can harm the testimony of, of, of the goodness of God, right? And it can bring harm to you. It can bring harm to you. It all comes back to the toddler at the formal dinner, right? It all comes back to the preschooler at Christmas dinner. We don't give them the fine china or the crystal stemware because of the likelihood that they're going to drop it and they're going to break it. And then not only is the treasure broken, but then the rest of us are walking around in the kitchen like this in our bare feet because we're liable to cut our feet on the shards of glass that are on the floor because the toddler dropped the crystal. Right? Destruction for the treasure and for us at the same time. We understand in that scenario, it's, it's quite simple. It's quite straightforward in that scenario. We understand that poor judgment results in important things getting ruined. But what does all of this really mean? What does this actually mean? I feel like <laughs> this message just might end up in the pig pen. And so let's redeem it from the pig pen. Let's get it out of there and agree on what Jesus is actually trying to warn us about. First, I want to ask this rhetorical question for all of us on our behalf. Does this mean that we're not supposed to share the gospel? Is that what Jesus is saying? Does this mean that we are not supposed to share the gospel, especially with people who might look like dirty dogs or filthy pigs, right? Is that what we're supposed to do? And I hope, I hope, I hope that we can all very quickly give a decisive no in answer to that question. No, that is not what this message means. Now, Dan, I'm, I'm not sure why it's to no yet because I'm a little confused by what you said, but, but I'm pretty sure that you're not telling us don't share the gospel. Does it mean don't share the gospel? No, that's not what that means because let's remind ourselves of, of what Jesus has asked of us. The gospel was absolutely meant to be shared with everyone. As a matter of fact, that 
The sharing of the gospel with everyone. Did you hear that? With everyone. That's the responsibility of the church as we await the second coming of Christ. Like, if we're not doing that, what, what are we doing? What are we doing? That's, that's what we're supposed to be doing as we await for the second coming of Christ. That's, that's you know, what we, we need to be doing. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14 uh, Jesus says, in this gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, really to all people is what that said. And then the end will come. <laughs> what are you doing here? What are you doing? I mean, there's a, there's a simple answer to that. What's the purpose of your life? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, it's me. Man, I, I got to get busy sharing the gospel because <laughs> there's some people that haven't heard. And until they've heard, Jesus can't come back. We, you know, we got, we got work to do. That's very, very straightforward. We can't, we can't misunderstand that aspect of the message. Even when Jesus warned his followers to move on. Remember, we talked about that a few minutes ago. He said, are you sure that you're going to be unwelcome? Some places when you're unwelcome, move on. Even when he said, to move on if their message was unwelcome. They weren't to move on until the message had been proclaimed. Don't miss that fact. This wasn't a judgment call. He didn't say, go into the village, take a good look around. And if these folks seem like they might want to welcome you, proclaim the message. But if they look a little shifty, if they look a little shifty and you just don't want to get into it, That is not what Jesus said. It's not a judgment call. He said, you proclaim the message. And then it's either received and rejoiced upon, or it's not. And that's when judgment comes in. They weren't to move on until the message had been proclaimed. Church, everyone gets to hear the gospel. Amen? Everyone gets to hear the gospel. It's not up to me to decide who can hear and who can't hear. God is in the business of redeeming dogs from the junkyard and pigs from the pen. Amen? How many of you have done, you don't have to raise your hand if you don't want to, but some of you are going to want it. How many of you have done some time in the junkyard? How many of you have done some time in the pig pen? And my testimony today, you know, we talked about this earlier, when I will sing of the goodness for all my life, you have been faithful, right? How many of you would say my testimony is I did my time in the pig pen, but I serve a God who redeems pigs from the pen. I serve a God who redeems dogs from the yard, right? So thanks be unto God that some Christian didn't think... He looks suspicious. I better not share with him. Thanks be unto God that the mission of the church, that the mission of every follower of Jesus Christ in this room is to share the gospel with all people. Everybody gets to hear the gospel. Everybody gets to hear the gospel. But remember what Jesus was saying right before the passage we read today? That whole thing about how we help each other get rid of the sin in our lives and the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and a plank in your own eye. And there are going to be times when you're going to have to have conversations about what is right and what is wrong. He's saying all of that. and He comes out of that with this statement about dogs and pigs and pearls and treasures, right? I would put it this way. 
In that previous conversation, he was talking about the ways that we ought to try to help one another become more and more Christ-like. Isn't that what he was saying? He's saying you need to put time and energy and effort and focus into helping one another become more and more Christ-like. He was telling us that there are things that we can do for one another, things that we can say to one another, things that we can help each other accomplish that will all make us all look a little bit more like the glorious kingdom creatures we were designed to be. Jesus said those things can happen, but, but be careful when you're doing that. Be wise and exercise good judgment because not everyone you try to help will have the maturity and the wisdom to receive that help. Not everyone you try to help will have the maturity and the wisdom to receive that help. Some dogs will say they want to be like Jesus, but they refuse to leave the junkyard. Some pigs will say they want to be like Jesus, but they refuse to get out of the pen. And what do wise people do when we encounter folks like that? What do kingdom people do when we encounter folks like that? Do we cast them aside and declare quite literally, hear this, quite literally to hell with them? Is that what we do? Is that what we do? Absolutely not. Because, and we've already said this, the invitation to the kingdom, to real life change and life transformation is always available to all people. As long as they have breath, they have the chance to respond to the Holy Spirit. But in the meantime, I think that Jesus rightfully recognizes that we need to avoid making the foolish mistake of wasting time with people who haven't been changed by the power of God and pretending like they have been. That's the judgment we're talking about here. Spending time with people who haven't been changed by the power of God and pretending like they have been. And why? Because that's not my job. Changing. Changing someone else. Transforming their lives. Cleansing them of their sin. Not my job. And when I make it my job, I entangle my own spiritual health. I entangle my own spiritual health with someone who seems perfectly content to remain mired in their own filth. I told you this was going to be a tough lesson. How do we do that? How do we make that mistake? Well, one way is by taking people and trying to make them just look better. Window dressing, right? Spiritual window dressing. We think that maybe if they start acting like they've been changed, maybe eventually they actually will change. And so we try to convince them to, to just act differently. And we insist on certain behaviors. And we use arguments based on scripture against people who have no respect for scripture. Why, why would we do that? Sometimes we even try to pass laws or adopt public policies that will force sinners to look a little less sinful, right? We're trying to deal with that plank in somebody's eye. Pearls to pigs, Jesus says. They don't know how to treat that kind of message well. Or worse yet, we put ourselves in God's place. We say, I'll do this. I'll handle this. I'll take care of this. 
I can get them to change. I can be loving enough. I can be supportive enough. They'll do it for me. Pearls to pigs, Jesus says. They don't know how to treat the message well, and they sure don't know how to treat you well. The message of the gospel is the greatest, most sacred treasure you're ever going to encounter. And when it changes your life, you can't help but share it in hopes that it might change somebody you love the very same way it's changed you. And that's a good thing. I've said it again. I hope we don't miss that today. That is our mission. That is our mission. But let's just be careful to take care of that mission. Let's be careful to take care of that message well. Let's entrust its ongoing work, not to our skill and not to our ability and not to, well, I just need to try harder. I need to do more. I'm going to hang in there. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to, no, 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 no. It's not about me, right? It's not about me. I'm not going to entrust that part of the mission to somebody who clearly can't make it happen. Let's entrust that to God. Entrust the ongoing work of the gospel to the power of the Holy Spirit. Invest in those who are eager to receive it. Listen to the Spirit's guidance on how to use it. Share it freely with everyone you can. But, and I think this is what Jesus is saying here. Please, please, please. Don't just throw it away. Don't just throw it away. I want to pray for you. Father, thank you for this word. And, and I've, I've acknowledged several times in a row, it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Because on one hand, I, I want to be faithful to the Great Commission. I want to be that person who goes out and shares the gospel with everybody I can. I, I, I want to be busy about speeding the coming of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I'm excited about what the gospel, the message of the kingdom has meant in my life in the lives of my family members, in the lives of people that I love that are called brother and sister in Christ. Like that is, it's good news. And I'm motivated by that, God. But I hear your words about throwing pearls in front of pigs and I recognize moments in my life where I tried to play God. Where I tried to be the Holy Spirit. Where I tried to be the one who would say, ah, they're going to change. And so in response to my sincere desire to see change in somebody else, you know what I did, Lord? I got closer. I got closer. I got myself all tangled up. And that makes us vulnerable to destruction. You don't want that for your people. So Lord, I pray that everybody that's, that's heard the words of Jesus today, not my words, the words of Jesus today, I pray for each one of us, myself included, that you would help us to digest these words, to treasure them, to, to, to listen to them well and faithfully, to not on one hand leave this place and say, well, that person that's been bugging me, pastor said they're a dog and a pig, and I should just ignore it. But on the other hand, not to make unwise decisions about how we tend to your treasure. Thank you for blessing us. Thank you for equipping us. Thank you for taking care of us. And thank you for entrusting us with 
the treasure of the kingdom. It is our desire to care for it well. We pray all of these things in the name of Jesus and everybody says, Amen. Amen.